If you want to go beyond the rink and into the dressing room, there's only one place to be. With a hockey reporter who was once mistaken as an NHLer by Jeff Finger and a diehard Maple Leafs fan who has not one, but two Ken Baumgartner jerseys. This is the Hockeyverse with Michael Trakos and Johnny Legend. Tighten your chin strap. This could get ugly. All right. The more and more it's looking like Sheldon Keith is going to remain as the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I know. Ugh. But we're already in June. And if new GM Bradshaw Living hasn't fired Keith yet, it's probably not going to happen. Even if it were to happen, who the hell is he going to bring in? Joel Quenville? Well, the NHL might not like that or approve of that. Gerard Gallant? You mean the guy who has a shorter shelf life than a carton of milk left out in the sun? How about Bruce Boudreaux, Daryl Sutter, John Tortorella? As you're noticing, options don't look very good, which might explain why Tre Living hasn't made a move just yet, or why you won't. That being said, keep an eye on who does get hired to fill the vacancy as the Leafs' next assistant coach. Whoever it is just might end up replacing Keefe if things go a little sideways next season. With that and more, on today's episode of The Hockeyverse. You just found the world's latest and greatest hockey, sports, and entertainment podcast. This is The Hockeyverse. On today's episode, we discuss what the Maple Leafs will do with Sheldon Keefe and look ahead to the contract extension concern with Austin Matthews and talk about the Stanley Cup final between Florida and Vegas. We're also joined by Buffalo News hockey columnist Mike Harrington, who gives us a first-hand look at the NHL scouting combine and what the Sabres fans think of Jack Eichel potentially winning a Stanley Cup championship. By the way, check out our show notes for timestamps, and if you want to fast-forward to your favorite part. Also, if you want to be on a future episode, email your question to heyhockeyverse at gmail.com. Sheldon Keefe, say it ain't so. Yeah, well, say it ain't so, but it's probably going to be so. It's going to be so. Yeah. Because here's the thing, a GM typically, and sometimes it changes, but you typically get one chance to fire a coach and hire a new one. And if you're true living, why are you going to waste it now? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to waste it right off the bat. No. Plus, I mean, how can you fire a guy that got 111, 115, 100 million point seasons? No. And here's the thing that I didn't mention in the, uh, the intro. True living is kind of busy right now. Yeah. Didn't he fly? He flew. The first thing he did was flew down to uh, Arizona, right? Yeah. And I'm hearing uh, from numerous people that um, this contract talk with Austin Matthews, it's not going to be a, a slam dunk. And I don't know if it was going to be a slam dunk with Dubas there, but you know, whatever. Uh, that ship has sailed. And I think they're basically starting from scratch. And if you know anything about Austin Matthews and his agents, um, they do things a little unorthodox. Mm. Um, usually you got a franchise player, you sign them to the max term because you want to keep them in the franchise. L- look at what Austin Matthews signed his first time around. He didn't go max length. No. He went very, very short term. And talking to a lot of agents, they think that was sort of a precursor to what we're going to see right now where you know, he could sign an eight-year deal and remain a leaf for the foreseeable future. What I'm hearing from his agent is, and people around that 
conversation is that he's looking more of a three-year term. Really? Yeah. And so good, good on him because, you know, if I'm Austin Matthews, I'm thinking, okay, my next contract, I want to be young enough where I can still hit a big payday. And if the cap hasn't moved up, you now, you know, three years from now, it could go up dramatically and I'm still at an age where I can cash in. Well, I think that was the plan when he signed the five-year was that the cap was going to go up and he was going to max out on the second one. But because of the lockdowns and everything, the cap didn't go up like it was supposed to. Yeah. So not that it backfired, but it actually is still going to work out in his favor because he, he can do another, like you said, three-year or five-year and then maximize. Another bridge kind yeah, of thing. Maximize again. Yeah. No matter what he signs for, it's going to be the richest contract in, uh, yeah. or uh, sorry, richest per year, per per year, year yeah. cap hit. And he's going to eclipse the McDavid one, but McDavid, when he resigns, he's going to eclipse him. Yeah. But yeah, the, the thing to, and the other thing with the shorter term, and this is why I kind of agree with Austin, what Austin is doing is what's pressure on the Leafs. Yeah. He's got a new GM who, who knows what the next three years are going to look like for the Leafs. Maybe they win a championship and they're, that's it. Maybe yeah. three years from now, it's kind of like Tavares is old. Maybe Nylander's gone. Maybe this roster doesn't look like a team that's going to win multiple championships. Maybe it's at the end of the road of where their window is. Do you think maybe Austin Matthews is happy with the new GM? But was there any kind of like, were they buddies, Dubis and, and Matthews? Did they not I, see eye to eye? I don't think that the GM player relationship isn't as important as a player coach relationship. Um, And how's the Keith Matthews? The Keith one is interesting because if you watch that 24 seven kind of uh, behind the scenes thing on Amazon that they did that all or nothing series, um, you saw numerous times where Sheldon Keith actually went to Austin Matthews before a decision was made. Mm. So so then decisions do run through Austin Matthews. As they should, man. As they should. And in that's Pittsburgh, why- they run through uh, Crosby. Um, in Edmonton, they run through McDavid. In Colorado, they run through McKinnon. Mm. Let, let's face it. Austin Matthews is not wearing a C, but he is very much the, the go-to. Yeah, he's um, the cash cow. Yeah. He's the guy. Like, in a tie game, he's the guy that you're looking to put on the ice because he's going to score you that goal. Or if you're behind, he's going to be the guy. So yeah, he, he is the franchise and you know, Leaf fans have to be a little disappointed that um, he's not readily, or it doesn't appear that he's readily accepting a eight year max term deal. But you know what? Maybe this is the best thing for the Leafs because it puts pressure on them yeah. to say, you know what? We got to keep being competitive or Austin's going to be out the door in three years. And not just that, you can't get upset with somebody for maximizing their dollars. I mean, you're going to get the dollars from the Leafs if you want to get them there. They're the team that's got the money. Three years. If he signs a three-year deal, and I keep saying three years like it's happening, but yeah. say, I think he's going in with a three-year, um, this is what I want, and the Leafs are going eight, and then they're going to find somewhere in the middle. Five again. I bet probably, you it's yeah. five again. Say if it's five, say if it's three, say if it's four. You got... That many years now to prove them, prove to him that you all your ducks are in a row. I think it's all going to come down to where the the salary caps, like where the numbers. I think the numbers dictate the contract, and not just the financial numbers, but what's happening in the league. Where where's the salary cap going? Because he's going to want the max of the salary cap, and if the salary cap's not going to be high enough mm-hmm. in three years or four years or five years, like he's going to kind of time his contract with that. I think. I think that's the whole thing. I don't think that he's going to go anywhere. Where's he going to go where he's going to get more money than here? 
I don't think the money thing is important. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's, here's the thing. How about if he signs an eight year deal and four years from now, this team looks dramatically different and it's like, Oh, you're by the way, Austin, now we're going through a two or three year rebuild. I didn't sign up for that. Mm-hmm. that that's what he'd be thinking. No one wants to go through a rebuild. It sucks. It sucks as a player. Like you look at what like guys and like what Ico went through in Buffalo. And we're going to talk with Mike Harrington later on. That was like, what it was six years of hell for him. Mm. Just putting yourself on the line. You're always getting criticized because you're the star guy. Why isn't this team in the playoffs? Why isn't it in the playoffs? That goes to Vegas. No one's talking to uh, Jack Eichel anymore. No, he's like number four on the totem pole. Yeah, you talk to most players and, you know, climate of a, a team matters so, somewhat. You know, the city matters somewhat. But at the end of the day, they just want to be on teams that are constantly successful. Yeah. No matter what, you're an athlete and whether you're a rec athlete or a professional, you want to win. Yeah. Sucks to lose. That's why the guys in Pittsburgh don't want to leave there. It's not because mm. Pittsburgh's the greatest city in the world. It's because up until this season, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang had never missed the playoffs. Yeah. Can you imagine that? And Crosby had only <laughs> missed in his rookie year yeah. before this year. Yeah. And like, forget about the championships they won. And that's what that argument I, I always have with Lee fans. I go, would you rather have you know, the team that's always in the playoffs, you're always having a successful season because 82 games is a long time versus that short window in a playoff. Or would you rather have, you want a playoff like Carolina did in 05, 06, and then what you miss for the next like five or six years. Yeah, think If back, you're a player, I think the playoffs matter. Just making the playoffs every year. Think back to that last season before Austin Matthews came. That was, that was rough. That was rough to watch. Yeah. So they had one year. So Austin Matthews has never had pain in Toronto. No. I know you could say, well, it's painful because they keep losing in game seven. Um, they keep failing to get over the hump and that is painful. But we're like from October to middle of April, it, it's been nothing but good for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll take that, man. Yeah. Versus what? Well, two weeks and that one game seven we lost and that sucked. So what? Like if you're Detroit, for years after year after year after year, what was it? Twenty years where they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like you'll you'll take that over the the one and done. Yeah, in my mind. So let's get. You think there'll ever be a dynasty like there was in Detroit? Mm, no, I, I think the closest we saw was Tampa, and the salary cap basically. I don't is, think. Yeah, I don't think you can have a dynasty in a salary cap. Yeah, the, the only thing that Tampa was able to kind of skew is because of the. Uh, you know, the, la- the lack of tax there, they're able to pay their stars so little uh, to kind of get around that. But it's still like, it's, it's impossible. I think Tampa was the closest and maybe what Chicago was able to do where, where they went three championships in like five or six years. Yeah. But yeah. What's, what, what is it? What is the definition of a dynasty? Because people were arguing I guess to me last year that Tampa wasn't a dynasty. I guess it's all relative, right? But would it be, I like mean, you have yeah. to win three Great cups in a row because Tampa didn't win that. And people were like, well, it's not technically a dynasty now. Yeah. I don't think you can define parameters for a dynasty. I think it's just all relative to the. I used to argue that Detroit was a dynasty because they were always in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the Leafs had the ownership they had now back when there was no salary cap? They'd have everybody. Yeah. No, it's a, that's the thing that always gets me. And people say like, well, since, since 1967, I'm like, yeah, since a 16 league, this team hasn't won a championship. (laughs) Like that's, that is the, the embarrassing factor is like, you got Vegas now second time in the Stanley cup final and they're doing it in a, in a league that includes 30 plus teams. 
Yeah. And you know what? The Stanley Cup is the hardest one to win. Not hardest like in terms of hard, but it's hard, hard work to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's I, a I lot of games. That. That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of, there's no other sport where you're going that hard. Was you, did you see the hit that Matthew Kachuk took? Oh my God. <laughs> like, I don't know what his shoulder looks like right now, but, uh, and he scores the game tying goal. What a guy, man. I love that guy. Well, you remember <laughs> that video that was going around where Don Cherry had uh, Kachuk, Line A, and Matthews behind yeah, him? And going into the draft. Yeah, yeah, and they're talking about, who's your, who are you watching? Oh, Corey Perry, because he, and then. That's his favorite player, yeah. And Line A and uh, Matthews look at each other like, what? Yeah. Well, because that, that's the model, right? Yeah. You, you want to be Corey Perry. You want to be that kind of prick. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we can grab him in the offseason. That'd be. Uh, you think he's, you got any, he's still got game left where you want him? Apparently in the playoffs he does. Yeah. I mean, it's better than a lot of the stuff we had. Yeah. Better to have Perry on your team than play against oh, Perry. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> he does it every year, man. So are you liking this final? Cause I had a conversation with my bro, uh, last night and he goes, I just can't get into it. And I don't know if it's because of the team's. Or what? But uh, he's not into the final this year, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious because I'm going to be going down to Vegas for uh, uh, Game Five, and I'm trying to tell people, almost like bragging, like, "Hey, I'm going to the game," and they're like, "Yeah, that's I'm not watching the series." <laughs> they're more excited for you to go to <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> but like, is, is this a final that people are paying attention to? Like, what do you it's think good. of it? I think it's good hockey. Yeah. I mean, but the problem is, if you're a Leaf fan, you don't care. Once the Leafs are gone, nobody cares. In Toronto, unless you're betting on the game. Yeah. There's not, I don't know if there's a star power either. Who's the biggest star in the series? Oh, I guess Kachuk? it'd be Kachuk, right? Yeah. And it wouldn't even have been Kachuk before he's done what he's done in the playoffs. Yeah. No, like, like going into the playoffs, it wasn't. No, like you wouldn't have thought like, oh, Kachuk Eichel. That's the, that's the matchup yeah. that you're going to be pumping. But it's like, mm. and then even now, like for the con Smythe, it's, People are saying Jonathan Marsha show, and I bet you people can't even pick out Jonathan Marsha show if he was walking down the street. Sixty percent of people can't even say his name. I can say it. Can spell it though? <laughs> How long did you practice? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can see you sitting in your office going Marsha. Yeah, Marcia. I, I, I've been, I thought it, I've been thinking it's a good series. I think if it went three zero, it was going to be a dog, but uh, good on Florida for winning in overtime. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, Matthew Kachuk. More and more, this guy is just showing that he belongs in the upper echelon and everything we've been saying on the Hockeyverse podcast that, you know, if you, if you redraft, uh, what was it, 2016? Yeah, it was the Matthews draft, wasn't it? Yeah. He goes number two for sure. For sure, number two. And, and it's, a question, it's a debate. It is a debate because, you know what, now when you think about it, the Leafs had already drafted Marner the year before. And Kachuk and Marner were line mates mm. in London and won a championship together. Not saying that if you had Matthew Kachuk, the Leafs would have won a championship, but <laughs> you, you watch him in the playoffs and you're going, they would have definitely won a round. Mm -hmm. Would have definitely won more than a round, I'm mm -hmm. thinking. Because this is the guy that, like I said, he, I don't know what is going on with his shoulder. He had to leave the game. Probably has a dislocated shoulder or something. He comes back and he's just like right in front of the net again. It's not like he's a perimeter player. No. And I, we're not going to find out till everything's said and done, but it's good. It's probably damaged. And how about that hit he threw on Eichel? Oh my God. I almost you, felt bad for Eichel. If you were worried about, if you were worried about Eichel's neck, you shouldn't be now. 
because his head would have popped off. There's another guy that I'm hearing like on the Spit and Chicklets podcast and everyone's just kind of like pumping Eichel's tires now. They're like, yeah, we thought this guy was a punk. We thought uh, he didn't care that much. That's why Buffalo got rid of him. That's why Buffalo couldn't make it to the playoffs. He bounces back up. He's back in there and he doesn't make any excuses. He's like, yeah, it's playoffs. You got to take a hit. You got to keep going back. And I'm like, Man, it's funny how narratives change with some guys. Like the whole Phil Kessel thing, like everyone was like, oh, eat some hot dogs out of a cup there, Phil. Yeah. And, you know, he wins his two cups. Now he's Mr. Iron Man, Phil Kessel. And <laughs> like, it, it, it is awesome how the playoffs can change a player's perception, um, good or bad, right? Like you can be that guy that just never gets it done in the playoffs, hint, hint, Leafs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you can be the guy like, Kachuk and Eichel where you're going, wow, playoffs started and these guys really stepped up. And that's the thing because when they're playing on a different team than your team, you're not Mm -hmm. watching them. You're only reading about them and you're only reading what somebody is writing, like Mm -hmm. what you're writing about somebody. But then when you can actually watch them, you're like, well, wait a minute. He's nothing like what I've read. Yeah. Right? Because I I think the the problem with Eichel and Buffalo is he didn't think that they had his best interests. They had their best interests, right? They wanted him to get the surgery that would have him come back faster. But he wanted to get the one that was going to make it better. And there was so much going on behind the scenes. Like, he had gone through, I think he was already on his third or fourth GM by that point, and something like his fifth coach in five or six years. And... You know, like Eichel was another guy I focused on and he had a chapter on the book I wrote and this guy comes from Boston. Um, his dad is a blue collar guy. His mom, I think is a nurse. Um, it's not like he came from like a silver spoon in his mouth mm. or anything like that. Um, he came from where he's from North Chelmsford is a tough area. It's not like a pretty, like waspy uh, yeah, suburb or something. Like there's it's, not a lot in Boston. That's n- no. Not so this tough. Th- this guy comes from that kind of you know when he went to Buffalo, he was like, yeah, that's just kind of what I'm used to, just kind of like a hard scrabble kind of community and everything. So it, it's been there. It's just that's the thing. You, you get a guy in a draft, and you think, oh, we've got our savior, and you know this is something for Chicago to kind of look out for. It's like you're getting Connor Bedard in the draft, but. Who are, you sur- who are you surrounding him yeah, with? Yeah, you can't just have... It's not basketball where you can get yeah. one guy and win the championship, right? Yeah, and you're seeing it. In Vegas, he's got Mark Stone. He's got those misfits from like William Carlson and Jonathan Marsh's show. And he's got Shea Theodore on the back end and Petrangelo. And he's got a really good coach in Bruce Cassidy. Y- you can't be just the one guy. And how about Mark Stone? Uh, Didn't play all year. Yeah. There's a guy that Ottawa should be kicking themselves oh over. Forget about losing Eric Carlson. You lose Mark Stone. And it's like, they're, they're, he could be their captain. He could be doing what he's doing right yeah. now. But he didn't play all year. Like, he didn't even play all year. He only played the playoffs, and he's destroying. He's playing when it counts. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So what, do you, what are you thinking these days there, Johnny? Are you looking forward to this draft as well, or...? I'm looking forward to the draft. Like, I think we're going to do a draft preview show, right? We're going to get... Mm-hmm. Uh, couple guys back on that we've had to talk about the draft. I'm interested to see how the Leafs screw this one up, but I don't think they will because they got a Brad True living now. I think but he's not a, allowed to go to the draft, right? He, he can be there. He just can't be at the table making picks. So he's going to be, which is great because here's what I was going to say. Forget about the, who the Leafs pick. It's what they do at the draft mm. and what kind of trades they make. And if I'm, uh, if I'm the Leafs, I'm happy that True Living's not going to be at the table. 
I want them walking around. Making deals, yeah. Making deals, whether it's with Calgary for Dan Vladar, like our buddy uh, Eric Francis was on the podcast talking to us about or whoever. And, you know, it's funny, like every day a new goalie enters the the mix in terms of trades. Uh, John Gibson's now available. Connor Hellebuck's available. Connor Hellebuck's the one that I thought they should go after. Carter Hart now too. Carter Hart. Who would you take out of that? You got Carter Hart, Connor Hellebuck, John Gibson, and Dan Vladar. Are we considering money or are we just talking about the guy we want? Well, you got to consider the money and well, then you kind of got to go. Samsonov still being there and Joseph Wall. Like you got to kind of got to go Vladar then because he's the best value. I think so, and it gives you a chance to kind of you know pump the brakes on Joseph Wall mm. and let him come up. Um, he's going to be good though. I think Wall's going to be good. I keep hearing people saying like he's the next big thing. Like uh, you know, Jake Ottinger from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like scouts are just as high on Wall and saying that, you know, they both came up around the same time, I believe. Um, that there's no reason that Wall's not gonna be the next Ottinger. It's good news. Yeah. So, so then but he's gotta, not that this year, I don't think. You gotta keep that in consideration then too, and the with whoever you get. No, it's a, it's going to be a busy summer for the Leafs. Like we mm-hmm. said, like they may not make a move on the coaching front, but from Austin Matthews to deciding on who to supplement the core with to, do you go after a goalie? It, it's not an easy situation that Bradford Living's walking into. This isn't just kind of a, you know, roll out the same lineup and you can come back. Like mm-hmm. there's, I think 10 guys heading or 10 or 12 guys heading to UFE, UFA, uh, status. So you got a lot of decisions to be made. And you know who that's good news for? Us. A hockey podcast, <laughs> a hockey podcast that has nothing else to do in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll be podcasting. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of curious though, like, like you said, uh, do they screw up the draft? And, uh, a guy that we've got at the NHL scouting combine is, uh, uh, Mike Harrington. Um, Oh, what do you think? We should yeah, give him a go, shout. Let's and, go uh, ask Mike what he thinks is going on there. Yeah, he always has an opinion. Oh, he's got a strong opinion. All right, we're going to go live to the phones here. Well, we've got Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News. How are you doing there, Mike? Mr. Trakos, it's a, a big day in Buffalo with the NHL Combine kicking off and Connor Bedard talking and the Stanley Cup is still going on. It's it's always hockey season in Buffalo. Other than maybe August, it's now an 11-month season. And I feel sorry for these Sabres because every year it seems like there's another former player, like what it was, Ryan O'Reilly in 2019, and now you got Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt in the final. So no, no matter if it's Florida who wins or Vegas who wins, you know, B- Buffalo Sabres fans, do they have a reason to be upset? Or as Tage Thompson and just that, you know, young group of players that are, you know, I'd say on the cusp of being a playoff team next year. Uh, is that sort of dissipated any kind of ill will or sourness now? Yes, there was a lot of anger in 2019 when Ryan O'Reilly won the cup, when that trade at the time looked terrible. Certainly, Tage Thompson's emergence has changed the view of that trade. Completely different scenario with Eichel and Reinhardt. When you look at the players they acquired, Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and you know, the pick for Reinhardt was Yuri Kulich, who was just named one of the top AHL prospects in Rochester. And they got Devin Levi for Reinhardt. So, you know, not all trades have to be, you have to win the trade and beat the other team. Sometimes trades can be win-win, and you're right. 
somebody's winning the Stanley Cup, they'll be happy with their guy. The Sabres are happy now and, you know, hopeful of a brighter future. What, what do you make of uh, Eichel's uh, final right now? I mean, he made a hell of a pass to Marsha's show um, in game three uh, on Thursday night. He, he bounces back after a hit uh, from a Kachuk where you're going, if there's any lingering effects from that spinal fusion that he uh, underwent, um, it seems like he's put the, that to rest. And, and he's getting you know accolades now for being sort of that quote-unquote warrior where you know maybe some of the conversation about Jack Eichel was, you know, does this guy want it bad enough? And you know, not getting the surgery in Buffalo, people are wondering, okay, um, what, what's his, what, what's going on in between his ears, but, um, has he sort of changed some perceptions there of, of the kind of player he is? You know, it's a, an interesting dilemma. I look at kind of the big picture of the entire playoff. It was his first time in the playoffs and other than game one against Winnipeg, he's been pretty sensational. He's played a 200 foot game. He's not scoring goals. He hasn't scored a goal in several games now back to the last series, but he's making an impact on the ice. He's setting up plays. Like you said, he's playing that 200 foot game. And ultimately he wasn't able to take the Buffalo Sabres where he wanted to go. He didn't have enough around him. He was the face of the team. He doesn't have to be the face of the team in Vegas. Look at all the guys they have. Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo and Alex Martinez. And then all the original guys from 2018 who had so many playoff runs. So it's a different dynamic for Jack Eichel and his team, even though he's the number one center. Could you have imagined a better place for Jack Eichel to land to get more support around him, the kind of support he didn't really have here? Yeah, it's kind of similar to like Phil Kessel. Yeah. He leaves Toronto and, you know, basically kicked out of Toronto, goes to Pittsburgh, wins back-to-back cups. But, you know, during Pittsburgh, that time in Pittsburgh, it was like, if you're a media guy, you went to Crosby, then you maybe went to Malkin, then you went to uh, Chris Letang. Uh, you didn't go to Kessel every day like they did in Toronto. And it's probably similar for Jack. Like there's so many guys, like you mentioned there, Mark Stone and, uh, like he's surrounded by star talent. He's pretty much on a super team, right? Yeah. The closest thing they got to a super team anyways in the NHL. And now Jack Eiko might win a cup before Connor McDavid. Go figure. Oh man. I got a guy that never made the playoffs <laughs> in Buffalo. Now is, <laughs> and, and then his first year in Vegas, like, um, eat your heart out, uh, <laughs> Connor McDavid, yeah. as well as Austin Matthews. So yeah, my, it's just a situation where I find it. I find the irony of it where Jack is playing in his first Stanley cup final in Florida, in the building where he was drafted number two overall behind McDavid in 2015 at that entire circus of a draft. And you're right, he's got the chance. McDavid is still trying to get to his first final, and Vegas got there. So let's talk about the draft. You're, uh, the draft combine, once again, and is being held in Buffalo. And for those who don't go, and I don't know if you've paid much attention to it, Johnny, but uh, I participated in the draft combine one year. Oh, did you do it? Yeah, and... Uh, didn't throw up in any buckets, but basically they ran me through it like uh, push ups, chin ups, uh, VO2 max test, and uh, the Wingate. You're a bigger man than I. Oh, yeah. How, how did you do? I, I, you know what? I was back in my 30s, so I did pretty well, actually. Uh, but uh, for those that don't go there, uh, uh, Mike, it, it is quite the spectacle. It, I almost treat it like uh, tell people, like, if you've ever been to a county fair where they bring out the cattle and you just got a lot of uh, ranchers kind of looking and going, oh, I like that one. Um, that's pretty much what it is. Like all 32 teams are represented. They're all watching these kids sweat and, you know, go through the motions. And 
you know, what do you make of it this year? It's obviously the Connor Bedard draft, but Sabres are drafting 13th, I believe uh, overall. And um, uh, what are you hearing about the prospects and for teams like the Sabres who aren't in the top three, top five, um, are you hearing that there's enough talent there where, you know, you're going to get an impact impact player? I always believe that for the most part, if you have a pick in the top 20, you have a good chance to get a, a regular NHL player. Certainly this isn't the NFL or the NBA. You don't get that guy next year unless he's in the top two or three, but down the road, two or three years, you're going to have a, a guy. And this is certainly a draft, not just because of the darn Adam Fantilli. This is a draft that's considered to have a lot of talent, especially in the first round. So the Sabres will be doing their due diligence at this combine, interviewing guys, watching the workouts. I mean, but I find, you know, this has been in Buffalo several years now. These teams certainly pay attention to the physical testing, but the interview process is really where they get to know guys, where they get to figure out where guys are coming from, where they test them. Uh, Some of the years we've had guys tell us some of the unusual questions teams have asked in their interviews. So that really is a key factor of the combine too. And we'll see. I I mean, you look at guys like Fantilli and Leo Carlson have already said they're not doing the physical testing. I have no idea why Connor Bedard would do the physical testing either. It's kind of a hockey thing though, where you don't opt out of it a lot, but uh, you know, it's kind of what it is. It's you're right. It is kind of a County fair feeling to it, but it's not the NFL combine. You don't have all these college stars around. Um, but it, it's almost the combine is the start of the next season. Now we're looking toward the draft, toward free agency. The combine is the first event of the next season, even though we're still in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and if I, I don't know if you've watched videos of Connor Bedard working out, but that guy is some kind of machine. Yeah, you're sharing a video yeah. with me. and it's- <laughs> Some of the stuff he's doing is, is mind-blowing, so he's probably going to put on a show. Yeah. That's probably yeah, what- I mean, He's going to have to be understood understand the physical requirements of the game because he's not six foot three. He's not, you know, that loaded kind of body. He's, he's a little bit on the slight side, like we saw in 2015 of McDavid and he'll have to get bigger and stronger as it goes on. But certainly the talent, we've all seen the talent of Connor Bedard. And ultimately you can miss on a guy in the first round, but you're never going to miss on the number one pick. You're not missing on Connor Bedard. And I just think it's comical the Blackhawks director of scouting is quoted on NHL.com saying, I've got a lot of work to do. We're still talking <laughs> to different people. I'm, dude, if you're not taking Connor Bedard, you're out of work. You're fired. Everyone in the office is fired. I don't understand why we have to have this charade out of Chicago. Well, we're still evaluating topics. Give me a break. Why can't you just celebrate it for a month? Get ready for Connor Bedard. I mean, give me a break. It's it's ridiculous. Well, then he'd have nothing. Then he'd have nothing to talk about, I guess. Right? What else is going on in Chicago? Well, you know what the story should be is: Does Connor Bedard pull a Lindros and Mm. say, you know what, with everything that's gone on with the Blackhawks, and let's face it, this is a team where if you're a parent, you're going, yeah, do I want to send my young kid there with all the bad press they've received? You know, is Connor Bedard going to pull a Lindros and say, you know what? Uh, force force a trade out of Chicago. That's obviously not happening, but that that is more likely than Chicago passing on him. And who knows? Maybe he did hint something to that effect, and that's why GM's talking like that. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't buy that at all. But you know what? You hey, know what? we thought Dubis wasn't going to get fired. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we should go there. Maybe yeah. that's a great transition to talk about Toronto and everything that's gone on in <laughs> Leafland. Uh, you know, I'm sure Buffalo uh, Sabres fans are just chuckling right now. Um, 
know, here, here's a leaf. I always chuckle gets... at the Leafs, Michael. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I right? always chuckle at the Leafs. The Leafs are a comedy show and it's been a comedy <laughs> show. When they're terrible, they're a comedy show. When they're good, they're a comedy show. We laugh at the Leafs all the time. It's just nonstop entertainment. Well, that's the thing. They went around. They finally went around, Mike. And where are we right now? They fired the GM, basically. I know he didn't get fired, but he got kicked out the door. Uh, and now there's talk that Sheldon Keefe might not be the coach. And you know, Johnny and I, I think, are both in favor of, you know, Keefe shouldn't be the guy. Maybe it's a Joel Quenville should be coming in there. What are your thoughts? And, you know, we've got Mike Babcock taking the job in Columbus. Is a Babcock type of coach maybe what the Leafs need right now? One thing about the Leafs is they want, everybody said they went around, everybody's going to be safe. It was probably a reasonable assumption. Then everything goes bad against Florida. Um, the way things have gone with Florida, who I think might be the luck, and I wrote an entire column, but this, they might be the luckiest team in NHL history with all the good things that have happened to them in the last two months. Maybe the Leafs overcorrected. Maybe losing to Florida in five games and essentially dumping Dubas and maybe dumping Keith is an overreaction. Um, you think? <laughs> Florida, Florida, Florida Florida's on it was on an incredible goalie heater. They wouldn't even have been in the playoffs if they had lost to Buffalo on April 4th. They wouldn't have got through the first round if Brad Marchand scores on the breakaway in game five. A lot of things have gone Florida's way. But so the Leafs went down this road, and it's a little bit like Chicago having their 100-plus point season in 2017 and blowing everything up after they got beat by Nashville, mm. which ended up going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. They traded Artemi Panarin, and that was essentially the end of the Blackhawks' run. I don't see the end of the Leafs' run here by any stretch. They're obviously still pretty loaded, but they're blowing it up. You know, what if they trade Mitch Marner now? Um, you know, the Leafs have been 115 and 111 point team the last couple of years. They haven't got it done in the playoffs, but I don't know. It's a hard problem to have. What do you do? Do you make Bradtree living inherit a coach? I'm not sure he took the job to inherit the coach. I'm not sure I'd fire Sheldon Keefe either, though, but if you don't retain Sheldon Keefe, okay, who do you get? Joel Quenville? Well, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through, obviously, to get Joel Quenville. Um, so I don't know what the Leafs are going to do here. The other problem I have is you guys, you know how much I love the Toronto media, Mike. You guys are great. I love, <laughs> the Toronto media is one of my favorite. It's like watching the Yankees or the Mets media because there's so many veteran pros and you just never know what's going to come out of one guy or a bunch of guys at a time. But let's assume they keep Keith for a second. Well, the first time there's a losing streak, we're going to be back on Keith watch again. Yep. That in itself might be the reason to get rid of Keith right now. I saw to a avoid story Keith that he was going to get signed. He's going to get extended. I've seen some people saying he was going to get extended. Absolutely, I've seen that. But the first time there's a four-game losing streak, we're going to be back on Keith watch again. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. If you don't get Keith and you don't get Quenville, who do you get? Well, and who wants to be the coach of the mm, Leafs? That's I another question. There'll be people out. It's a tough job. 
Oh, come on. It's not a tough job. You've got Austin Matthews. You've got Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares. You you have all the resources in the world. I get it. There's pressure. A hamster could win 100 points with the Leafs in the regular season. Exactly. So that's not the problem. But what happens starting in April? It's almost like you're playing exhibition games from October to April. But here's the thing. You, there's something to build on this year, Mike. And I, I think that's the thing that it almost, it feels like this was a losing season in Toronto just because Dubas is gone, just because we're now talking about the coach and whether the, the core four is going to be back. It feels like it was a disappointing season where this was a top five team in the regular season. This is a team that beat yeah. the three-time cup finalists in the first round. And they lost and to they a were team the better that, team in the whole series. And they lost to a Florida team that, where are they right now? Well, they're down 2-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final. And you're telling me that look this at was a disappointing history. season? Look at recent history. Basically, every team the Leafs lose to makes the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So I, I, For about the last four years. So there is this narrative. Tampa's done it. Montreal's done it. Yeah, there's a narrative that this was a disappointing season where I, I don't get it. And I wonder if Bradshaw Living is of the mind where you know, he wasn't in Toronto all year. He was his view from Calgary might look different than the view from Toronto or even the view from Buffalo, to, to, be, to be honest here. Yeah, he'd have an unbiased Especially since history. the Calgary Flames had more points than Florida this yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now the question about the coach though, is it's an interesting one. Like, do you bring in a head coach to completely replace Keefe or do you do what often gets done is, you know, Spencer Carberry loses or sorry, doesn't lose a job. He goes off to, uh, to Washington to take the head coaching job. So now you've got a vacancy, uh, with your assistant coach. Do you bring in a guy that, you know, if things sort of go sideways or you don't like, uh, how things are trending, um, that you can go, okay, the assistant coach, now you're the head coach and head coach. Now you're out the door, uh, make that sort of easy, uh, pick. And, you know, whether it's a, I don't think it's going to be a Bruce Boudreau, but maybe you do that kind of move where you bring in someone that's basically, um, a head coach in training. Well, the devils did it this year. The devil said Andrew Bernetti in there. Clearly, if they wanted to turf Lindy Ruff, they were going to turn it over to him, but they ended up figuring things out. And so, you know, Brandy went to Nashville, but you're right. I mean, I think it, it's a tough situation. Um, and I don't know if you want to go down the road of Joel. I mean, uh, there's a lot of moral bankruptcy there with anybody connected with what happened in Chicago. And I'm not sure Gary Bettman's just going to sign off on that either. Um, but, you know, you look at all the candidates, who's out there? You know, Spencer Carberry left. Barry Trotz isn't available. You know, throw me some names. Who's going to be a, a, a an upgrade from Sheldon Keith? Setter? No. <laughs> how about Gerard? Right. Gallant, how about Gerard Gallant though? Gerard. The only thing about Gerard Gallant is yes, Gerard Gallant for whatever reason, and it's hard to figure out for whatever reason, seems to have a short a short shelf life yeah. everywhere he goes. You know, in Vegas, in Florida, now with the Rangers, it seems to, it's kind of a little bit like Sutter. It's kind of, but a little different, obviously, in Sutter, but it kind of peters out quickly with Gerard Gallant. Yeah. So that would be one name possible. That That's a name that would win the press conference and quiet the fans. Um, I don't know. 
you know, they fired they, they fired the GM. Let's just cut to the chase. We can go through the semantics. They fired the GM. But the coach is coming off 115 and 111 points. You know, I think Brad for living has the right idea. The first thing he should do is sit down with Sheldon Keith and try to get to know Sheldon Keith a little and see if he says, you know what, don't keep Sheldon Keith as the coach. Because you know what, <clears throat> if he keeps Sheldon Keith as the coach, all the pressure's on Sheldon Keith. None of the pressure's on the GM if Sheldon keeps the coach. Then the GM can turn around and turf him as he needs to. Yeah. You know, so, why waste that bullet, right? Why waste that bullet? I would keep Sheldon Keith, especially now that the loss to Florida looks better in the rearview mirror than it did at the time. Um, I would keep Keith and see what happens. I think, you know, Dubis just overshot, you know, his demands for autonomy and money and Shanahan got offended, which I'm a little offended by because they let Dubas hang for an entire season and Dubas kind of threw Shanahan a curveball for one day and Shanahan turns around and says, well, I don't know that he wants to be the GM in Toronto. Really? I think they were looking really? for Seriously. any single reason to get him out. Yeah. Absolutely. They were looking for the reason to get him out because Dubas was making too much noise about wanting more autonomy, not having to go through Shanahan, not having to go through the board to make every move. And Dubas basically got his wish. He kind of job he wanted in Toronto. He just had to go to Pittsburgh to get it. Speaking of Pittsburgh, here here is a trade option for you. Mike Sullivan for Sheldon Keith. There we go. I'll make that <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> no, no, no. Well you and you, you, you joke about it. Mike Sullivan Mike Sullivan absolutely had to sign off on having Dubas. They they went through Mike Sullivan quite a bit there. That's the guy that they believe in. Because remember Fenway Sports doesn't know hockey. They don't know hockey. Obviously, they don't know hockey. We brought in Hextall and Burke and we saw what happened there. <laughs> but they don't know hockey like they know soccer, like they know baseball. They want to turn it over. And don't forget, who did John Henry almost hire for the Red Sox 20 years ago? He wanted to hire Billy Bean. Yep. And, and Billy Bean turned him down. And then who did he hire after that? He hired Theo Epstein. He wants these younger, analytically inclined people. Kyle Dubas is absolutely a John Henry type. That's the perfect kind of guy he wants running the Penguins. And, you know, to me, it's fascinating. Will the Penguins even hire a GM? I don't know. <clears throat> Why would you? Yeah, uh, Kyle Dubas. I, I think it's Jason Spezza, and he basically allows Kyle Dubas to keep both hands on the wheel and Spezza to learn on the exactly. job. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you know, Spezza, I mean, it's not Spezza. I assume it's Spezza or, you know, Pridham. I don't know, but. I think Dubas with Pittsburgh is a great idea, but Dubas now at some point has to make the difficult decisions about, you know, their core three, shall we say, instead of their core four. But uh, at some point he'll have those decisions to make. Not yet. I mean, but the the Penguins, let's be honest here, guys. <clears throat> the Chicago-Pittsburgh game, the last week of the season, changed hockey history. Mm. Changed hockey history. If the Penguins beat the Blackhawks, the Florida Panthers aren't even in the playoffs. If the Penguins beat the Blackhawks, Connor Bedard's not in Chicago. <laughs> if the Penguins beat the Blackhawks, look at who got fired. Yeah, I don't know. Does Kyle, does Kyle Lewis get fired? Does the, are the Bruins still playing? The Bruins probably whacked the Penguins in the first round. Yeah. You know, that game changed hockey history. That's a, that's a good point. 
Hey, before we let you go there, Mike, uh, you, you talked about the Penguins. They're on their way down. I don't, I don't think they make the playoffs again next year. Uh, Washington, uh, again, I don't think they make the playoffs. The Bruins, you know, without Krejci, without Bergeron, we'll see what happens there. I, I could see them possibly missing. You kind of know where I'm going with this, Mike. What What are you thinking yeah. for the Buffalo Sabres? Is this, if they don't make it next year, are, are you shocked? Because uh, the way I'm seeing it, that, that Sabres team, if the, if the season goes on a couple more weeks, they very well could have been in the playoffs. But uh, is it about time that they finally get over their own hump and get into the postseason? They have to. They have to. They have the longest playoff drought in history NHL since 2011. It has to end next year. Everything is positive here. The coaches done a terrific job. The GM's done a great job in difficult circumstances. But everything comes into question if they don't make the playoffs next year. They have to make the playoffs. There's no excuse. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They have the talent. They were, you know, one win away this year. They finished two points out. If they had been tied with Florida, they wouldn't have made it. They had to get two more points. Um, didn't get enough goaltending this year. Ultimately, it failed them. They have to figure out what they're going to do in goal, how many games Devin Levi plays. So do they bring back Lucan and do they go out and get a veteran guy to pair with Levi? But yeah, they're ready to go. They're going to upgrade the roster a little bit. They got some, a couple great prospects in Rochester. They got to find a top four defenseman, probably to pair with Owen Power. 2024, the Sabres have to be in the playoffs. It's just the bottom line. The talent's there. It's time. Awesome. It's going to be an interesting summer. Yeah. That's Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News. Uh, we thank you very much. Read his stuff in the Buffalo News. It's, uh, it, it is really a must read. Uh, Mike covers the NHL better than I think anyone, not only in Buffalo, but you know across North America. Uh, for the Hockeyverse, that was Johnny Legend. I'm Michael Trikos, and we'll see you next time at the rink. Thank you for listening to the Hockeyverse. If you enjoyed this show, please share the love by subscribing, leaving us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen, and by introducing the Hockeyverse to your friends and family. Also, be sure to check out thehockeyverse.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It's specifically written for you, the diehard fan. From insider news to opinion and analysis, our NHL-focused newsletter will entertain and equip you for the conversations of the day. We thank you for your support. And until next time, this is the Hockeyverse. Oh!